Welcome back to Following Know It On, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 44, and we're doing chapters 77 through 80 of Words of Radiance. We are into part five, and we are coming up really quickly on on the end of the book. Paul and uh, Paul and Elliot are joining me as always. How are I'll start with Elliot this week. How are you feeling, Elliot? The, the tension is building. The tension is building in these chapters. I, I'm at one of those points where reading as slowly as we do is becoming really difficult. You know, I, I just want to know what's on those next, you know, last few pages here. So the, the excitement and anticipation, anticipation, I've got a lot of those right now. And Paul? I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm really excited to go through these these chapters here um but more excited honestly for afterwards getting free reign to kind of finish our book um as we go into next week because yeah we're kind of at the the peak anticipation right now as we finish this book for sure um, in where where it's gonna go i'll we'll do a, a short segment later on I'll, I'll ask you guys several questions on your predictions on what's happening before the end of the book, what's not happening before the end of the book, but we'll we'll get there. Uh, Paul, do you have two words to summarize this episode? I do, I do. So my two words for this week are converging and pinnacle. Okay, converging and pinnacle. And Elliot, do you have two words? I have for this week, fealty and cost. Fealty and cost. Okay. Let's use these words and uh, talk about this episode. All right, Elliot, I'm going to start with the word fealty. Because whenever I hear that word, I think of that scene in Lord of the Rings when Denethor is knighting Pippin, and he uses that word. It's the only time I think that word is, is ever used in the English language. So go for it. What, what are we using it for? I, I almost picked loyalty, but I decided on fealty because it, it was specifically that sort of kind of loyalty to an authority figure or loyalty to uh, a community commander or a king because we get a couple different instances of that throughout these chapters where someone's making a pretty big decision on on fealty ish we have shallan who reveals herself to dalinar i feel like while like pledging herself to him the fact that she trusts him with that i, I feel like that was big that that was a pretty big step of faith there with dalinar and shallan and then of course we have Shen, who declares his loyalty rather uh, strongly by joining Dalinar, essentially, or or deciding he's his commanding officer and then helping the, the Alethi army uh, go forward. Really fascinating scene between Elkar and Kaladin, which really kind of tests on some fealty and, and loyalty type stuff. So, yeah, a lot of that going on this these chapters all right uh paul you want to talk about your words a bit 
Yeah, so converging, I, I chose, and it took me longer than it should have to, to remember this word. I almost used the word smashing, <laughs> like the all the different points of view, like a, a lot of different things are kind of smashing or converging. It's a much better word for it um, here. And it goes, that kind of just goes into my second word, pinnacle. Basically just summarizing that everything is kind of coming to a head right now, and I feel like we're at the top of a roller coaster that's about to tip yeah. over almost gotcha all right uh we can jump into chapter 77 here and start talking a little bit more specific in the way of kings we had we knew what the way of kings was from the beginning of part two um dalinar was talking about um the way of kings in this book we knew what Words of Radiance was, but we lost it. It got sunk in the ocean, and we we barely got to read any of it. Um, but now, right at the beginning of this chapter, Shalon gets gets a copy um, of Words of Radiance, and it's actually it's actually Gaz who delivers it to her, which I think is kind of ironic. Um, but yeah, we finally have our in in world copy of words of radiance back uh did any did either of you pick up on some of the readings that she's doing here about um the old knight's radiant someone want to pick this up it it seems like she's reading a lot of the stuff that we've already seen a little bit we had we had epigraphs right that were excerpt words of radiance not too long ago so it seems like that these might be it seems like she's reading some of those passages that we've already read and, and I noticed that she keyed in on kind of the same question that we had. She even says to herself, what is this wicked thing of eminence that the words of radiance talked about? And, and that was our big question is what, what is it referencing that happened during the, the recreants and what is this source of evil? Is it within the night outside the night's radiant? Yeah. So Shalon's asking the same questions we are at this point. Words of Radiance isn't completely reliable, as was mentioned here. It's written about 200 years after the Recreance, as it's called, after that day at Feverstone Keep that Dalinar's seen before. And um, so some of some of what we're reading is probably more re like reliable, but some of it, you know, you have to take with a grain of salt. So, no, we we don't we don't really know. Paul, I'm going to throw it back over to you because you love talking about our love triangle or maybe you really dislike it and pretend that you love it, one of the two. Shalon has this kind of offhand comment comparing Adolin and Kaladin. Uh, did you did you catch this? And what, how's, our, how's our love triangle going? Yeah, I, I did catch it. And I'm, I'm glad you point this out a little bit, Trevor. Um... First off, I don't know if, if I love it or hate it, but I mean, like I always say, love it or hate it, either way, it's an obsession, so I have to <laughs> talk about it. Um, so I, I made the claim on our last episode that I think Kaladin and Shalon are going to end up like, together at some point, or at least admitting that they're the one for each other, whether or not they can be together. Um, what I took from this, if, if I remember correctly, uh, Shalon is kind of comparing the two, and one is kind of the like regal lord being like Adolin, and and Kaladin kind of being the like 
kind of the like fearless leader or the one who's like I don't remember the term she uses exactly for Kaladin, but it was more of like a a character based, like he he's very like respectable and like heroic. Um Elliot can I, I think she here. thinks about it kind of like, you know, like I think she uses words like passionate and intense and mm-hmm. like there's a I think she's stuck on the fact that, that Kaladin has like this energy that Adolin maybe maybe doesn't. Adolin is like find more logical sense or, or more logical fit perhaps, but but Kaladin's maybe a little bit more exciting I suppose. He's very much a wild card. Right. Um as we've seen throughout our entire story here. Um but yeah, it's she I guess it was in our last episode we we saw that Kaladin whether he's admitting it has some feelings for Shalon and I feel like this is kind of showing that Shalon has some feelings for Kaladin whether or not she's going to admit it um, because she does very much like Adolin um, and so I don't think anything will come of it soon um, but who knows maybe maybe something tragic will happen and Adolin will get like caught up in this battle and Kaladin will be there to comfort her or something and then there's no triangle, but I don't know. We will see. I I'm. I I hate that I'm saying this, but I'm like Team Kaladin. I get like I don't <laughs> like if we're choosing sides. Um, I, yeah. I I forced you guys to choose at the end of part four. Uh, so and you and you said Team yeah, Kaladin. So okay, yeah. One one thing I did want to say before we move too much further, um, I think it's re- I think Gaz is really funny how his character has kind of developed. I wouldn't even say it's that much of a development, but I just think of like if Shalon and Kaladin ever talked about Gaz, like what they would have to say because it would it would be like I feel like Shalon is only seeing Gaz in his best moments, right? And Kaladin has only seen him in his worst moments, and so it's like really hysterical. That and it's really funny to me that Gaz is the one that has the like gives the copy of Words of Radiance to Shalon. I didn't actually pick that up honestly. I knew that they talked for a while. I remember like hearing that in the chapter, but yeah, kind of wild. It it's funny too how Gaz like role in the the play here has completely changed. He he originally was the the nasty that you're supposed to hate. Now he's the comic relief almost. He he just kind of comes in and he's it's like perky little gaz like, "Oh, I found the book. You told me to find it, so I went and I found it." You know, like different from the the role or kind of he was fulfilling in in Way of Kings, very interesting. Right. It it definitely goes to show that I'm not as good at predicting about characters as I thought I would or understanding characters because also, um, I guess going a little further in this chapter, uh, Shalon is talking to Navani a good bit. Mm-hmm. And way back in, like, before Shalon ever got to the Shattered Plains, we were talking about, like, you know, it's going to depend on who she meets there. And I had been under the impression the whole time, like, 
she needs to run into like Navani because Navani is going to be super like caring like up for her and like loving and kind of take her under her wing. And we really saw the exact opposite of that throughout the story. Um, and they talk here and I honestly couldn't help but feel like some tension still. I feel like Navani's like trying to be nice, but it, it almost felt a little bit forced. Um, forced is a great way to put it because up until this point, Navani has been described as the engineer. Like she is the the mathematician, the engineer, the artifabrian, as they call her. And Shalon is the artist. Like she she is one hundred percent emotion and like how does like how does this make you feel type thing. And so when Navani enters this carriage, Nav- Navani's trying to apologize and it doesn't really come off as like the most smooth apology and Shalon's like no it's okay like don't don't worry about it and then they kind of kick it off from there but that you're right there is definitely some tension here that Navani is trying to apologize for her emotions which she didn't have under control and she doesn't know how to handle that it's it's definitely still awkward for sure but Navani does back Shalon up when uh, she sits her down. So Navani finally gets all or m- most of the information that Shalon has. And instead of taking like taking that information and controlling the situation, Navani just gives it to Shalon. She says, okay, I will tell my scholars and my artists to do whatever you want you're in charge now, so go for it. Um, which I think was really cool that she didn't try to, you know, take it from Shalon, but she just backed Shalon up. Yeah, I really like that too. I I thought along with Shalon that Net Navani was going to take over and, you know, kind of say, oh, I'll take it from here sort of thing. But, but she didn't. She really kind of empowered Shalon and said, no, this, I'll, I'll support you. Tell us what you want to do. That that was really cool. Shalon, this is like one of the first conversations Shalon has had with Navani, and she tells her that Yasna was a knight's radiant, and Yasna is Navani's daughter. So Navani is a little skeptical at first, but she seems to actually take this news rather well. Like I, I always thought that that news would be more earth shattering for Navani, but she's like, she's a little hesitant at first, but after all, or after everything, she's like, eh, of course she was. She was Yasna. Yeah. And like, if anyone was going to be a nice radiant, it would be her. So it was kind of an, uh, also a bit of an emotional moment. I believe it was in this chapter that, Navani just kind of reminisces a bit about Yasna um, with this. And it makes me feel a lot for her because, like I said, I was wrong. I expected her to be very, like, open and, and caring towards Shalon. Um, but as we've seen, I think she kind of associates that, like, Shalon with the, the loss of her daughter, Yasna. And she just kind of talked about how bright she was as a kid, like, correcting her, like, illogical 
like logical fallacies at like age six and all this crazy stuff. Yep. Um, and just how bright she was, and it was kind of sad to see that. Um, but yeah, it was good to see. I was happy to see Navani kind of intentionally tried to bridge a gap there, or kind of work through things and stuff. was was good to see. Yeah, that's probably that's probably exactly what Navadi needs at this moment is, you know, to be able to have someone that she can can talk about Yasna with. She probably she's she's at that point in the the grieving process where she's ready to process it. So that's I'm sure that's exactly what she needs right now. Way back in what, chapter five, chapter six, when Yasna died, I asked you guys if this was an actual death or if this was a fake death if somehow she faked her own death and Elliot I believe you were on the no it's not a real death side because you had some theory about splitting her soul in Shade Smar or something like that and and Paul you thought it was a uh, a real death and she wasn't coming back and so far we haven't seen anything so I, how are those uh, predictions holding up for you guys I do want to say, as I was reading this, just kind of how things are coming to to a big climax here as we get to the end of the book. If she does come back somehow, if there's an explanation, I think it would be here at the end of the book. Um, like it would be some grand, you know, that's like the Sandra Lanch, like the big, the big thing. Yasna comes out and everyone's like, whoa, how are you here? That's not okay but like we're happy you're here right um all this stuff um i'm still on the train that i think she's just gone um but there is the chance like i see the chance i'm i'm gonna double down on my my theory i'm i'm all in I actually got a little bit of encouragement on this theory recently back in the Teravangian interlude. We didn't have enough time to bring it up, but I did notice that when Zeth is talking to Teravangian, right? He says, I I met a knight, I made a knight radiant, there was a surge binder on the plains. Teravangian's initial response to that in his head is, Oh no, he met Yasna. And his his like follow thought to that was, oh man, she must have faked her death just like I suspected. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one is perhaps suspecting that Yasna may have have faked her death. So Teravangian at least is considering that option as well. There's also another uh, tidbit in here which isn't directly related to Yasna, but if you if you connect a few dots here. In this next chapter, chapter 78, which we'll get to here, here in a second, Shalon reveals herself to Dalinar, and then Dalinar's immediate response is, okay, you're going back to the war camp, so we can't risk you out here. And Shalon's response is, I'm pretty sure I could get stabbed straight through the stomach and heal myself without a scar. Because of Stormlight. So we'll... Couldn't Yasna do the same thing? She was a nice radiant at the time. She was farther along. 
in the process than Shalon is at the moment. So that's a great point. Well, we know that. Don't we know that there are like two types of of Knights Radiant that like have restorative powers? Yes. So uh, there are one of the surges is regrowth, mm-hmm. which we've been told, and each. Uh, each knight's radiant shares a surge with another knight's radiant with another order, so only two knight's radiant orders would have regrowth. Okay. So, like, the... do we know that we know that Kaladin has it, and we know does Shalon have it? She referenced it she there, does but we've not. never. I was going to say we've never seen her use that. We do not. So... Cal- neither Kaladin nor Shalon have regrowth. But isn't Kaladin like healing himself? He is. Well, that's the that's the question, right? Is we we've seen Lift in that interlude use her her healing power on some. They talk about the whole regrowth thing. We've seen Kaladin and Shalon heal themselves. Correct. But we haven't seen them, as far as we know. I mean, Kaladin heals other people a lot, so maybe he was using some surge power in that but i don't think it was like explicitly clear so that that's still a question that i have is like can all knights radiant heal themselves but only like the two orders that have regrowth can heal others is that maybe how it works like that that's a question i'm still looking for an answer for okay that that would make sense uh, i guess i was under the impression that it was just there are two orders that can restore at all and and i assumed it was like we've seen was one of the two we've seen two order we've seen two people who have restored other people with stormlight and that is lift and if you remember the cobbler who is mm-hmm. healing the young oh, yeah. the young uh orphan he heals his foot with stormlight he doesn't really know what he's doing but he he knows he's he needs stormlight for it and there's a spread nearby he doesn't really know what's happening and then Scarface dude comes in and kills him. If you remember, there, that wasn't there also the the Knights Radiant from Dalinar's Vision in yes. the Way of Kings? Yes, uh, one of the. Okay. Um, w- when he's defending against the uh, Midnight Essence, one of the Knights Radiant heals Dalinar, um, like mm-hmm. in that vision. We have a very short. A Kaladin piece on chapter 77 and he's uh, moping in the in the war camps uh, he's not feeling the the brightest and normal Kaladin day yeah no, normal normal Kaladin <laughs> hours the the weepings come and he's talking about how he doesn't have Teft anymore or sorry not Teft Tien um, who could always cheer him up during the weeping uh, did anybody or did you guys have anything from this short section of Kaladin here? Yeah, I think there's all important details here because he's talking with Moash here in this scene, and he's he's comparing what Moash is about to do to what Amaram did to him, which right. I I think is very very key. You know, he's 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 telling Moash, you know, hey, you're you're justifying this whole thing by saying we kill one person to save many 
which ha had convinced him earlier. He was thinking, oh, yeah, as a surgeon, sometimes you have to remove, you know, parts like a, a leg perhaps to save the person. But he's kind of had this realization that, wait, just a minute ago, Amram used that exact excuse for what he did when he murdered all of my men and took that shard blade. And so it's starting to hit Kaladin just how wrong what Moash is about to do is. And I think he's put the pieces together and realized that that's tied to why Syl is gone as well. He mentions that too. So I think Kaladin is starting to understand the, the picture a little bit better. I actually really like that scene because Kaladin quotes Amaram out of context out of context to Moash. Kaladin says something along the lines of, "Yeah, you have to you have to sacrifice the few to save the the many." And Moash is like, "Yes, exactly." And Kaladin says, "No, no, no. I was I was quoting Amaram on what he told me after he killed my men. And that's not that's not what we are." Um but Moash is just hoping that Kaladin stays out of the way for long enough that he can take Elikar out. And also interesting there too, in that same dialogue, it goes on when he, when he, oh, that was what Amram said. Moash responds with, oh yeah, but he's a light eyes. And, and very tellingly, Kaladin comes back and says, well, so are you now. And it, it maybe yeah, hints at Moash, Moash might be sliding a little bit into that that trap of, I guess, call it the Amaram trap of feeling like he has the ability now to take things into his own hand and sacrifice those around him for what he thinks is the the right path. So da dangerous slope that Moash is on. It has a very specific line where Moash's eyes used to be brown, but they've turned light tan. And Kaladin thinks to himself, wait, those are the same colored eyes as Amaram, actually. Some nice foreshadowing there for you. Yeah. Chapter 78. Besides Shalon and Yasna and Kaladin to Bridge 4, this is like our first actual Knight's Radiant reveal to another main character we've like there's plenty of people who have suspicions about each other at this point but um this is the first time shallan has revealed to anybody exactly what she can do and who she is and i actually oh, we'll get here in a second um but dalinar's response is really funny to me uh but do either one of you want to talk about this for a little bit Paul, I, I was I was looking forward to your take on on this because I feel like this is a pretty big moment here. What what were you thinking when she used her powers right in front of Dalinar? Yeah, so what I liked most about this, my favorite thing about this chapter, is that this chapter happened happened at all. Right. Um, I was really glad that Shalon was just like showing Dalinar and being honest with Dalinar specifically because if like if anyone's gonna understand and make proper use of it, it would be Dalinar. Um, so I was just very happy with with how it happened. Um, I feel like I don't remember a lot of crazy details from the beginning of this chapter that I maybe should have, like how Dalinar specifically was reacting to it. Um, 
I know he was like very insistent on it being secret and things like that, which is important. Um, and he talked about like he was trying to like I believe he was talking about like trying to restart the Knights Radiance himself, but like it's kind of just already happened, like, and then he kind of just needs to like f- form, like get get them together, I guess, get yeah. the whole group together. Um, but yeah, I I was just really happy that this happened. Um, I've kind of been waiting for either her or I don't actually remember at this point. Has Kaladin told Dalinar? I know he doesn't tell like people. Like Bridge Four knows, uh, but I didn't think even he had told Dalinar. So I've kind of been waiting for this to happen, for Dalinar to be in the loop fully. Dalinar directly asked Kaladin if he was what he was looking for with the Knights Radiant, and two days previous he could have said yes, but Kaladin has killed Sil, so he answers no. I'm not what you're looking for. Sil's still there somewhere. She's coming back. Don't worry. We hope. <laughs> Please. Please. <laughs> I'm in the I... denial phase of, of grief. Of grief. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He can't leave us that broken. The... He, won't, he, won't, he won't do it. We have faith. We have faith. I I really like this scene because of the the choice that Shallan makes like Kaladin when he revealed to Bridge 4 he kind of did that out of necessity like it he he kind of was at the point where he basically had to tell them what he could do cuz he had they'd seen him do so much there was no other explanation and and Shallan here Shallan doesn't necessarily have to tell Dalnar here but she she just decides you know what I'm going to take a step of of faith here i'm gonna i'm gonna put my my trust in dalinar and just and tell him and she just you know stands up boom look what i can do and yeah dalinar's reaction to this is a little a little comical trevor but but yeah i I just love the fact that she decides you know a moment of decisiveness you know what we're gonna do this i'm gonna take a step i'm gonna show someone what i can do let's get this whole knight's radiant ball rolling dalinar's dalinar's reaction is so funny to me because I can I can totally picture it in my head of as she's holding this image in her hand and Dalin Dalinar like starts crying and then he starts ranting to himself about like what the first guy I tried to uh I tried to trust this with turned out to be a murderer and like wait you need the cloak the, I'm gonna give you the, the like the leader of the Knights Radiant and Shalon's like whoa 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 hold on <laughs> I don't want all that and. Uh, Dalinar kind of stops himself. He's like, "Oh, uh, sorry, didn't mean to overwhelm you there." But he was willing. He he was ready to give her the entire leadership of the Knights Radiant, whatever that means, uh, right there. And Shallan's like, "Uh, hold on." Yeah, he's he's just excited, right? I mean, he this has all been kind of a what if for him up until this point, and he he's getting more and more confident there he's seen the assassin in white he's seen kaladin do some crazy stuffs and really thinks that there's somebody but then here it is standing before him proof the knights radiant exist or at least their powers are back so yeah, he's like half terrified half just giddy with excitement that finally finally here we go 
and yeah, he wants to do something about it. Yeah. Our Parshendi. I, I go ahead, Elliot. Yeah, before we talk about the Parshendi, actually, it's 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 then also interesting here in this scene that Shalon forces Dalinar not to share her secret. Dalinar is like, oh, okay, I'll 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 keep this definitely, but I have to tell Navani. Navani's gonna have to know. And Shalon thinks about that for a second, and then ultimately is like, no. You're not gonna tell Navani. You're gonna keep this. Like, wow, that's that's a huge step of confidence. I mean, can can you imagine the Shalon we've met w- way back in like Carbronth, that first scene, standing up to Dalinar and saying something like this? Like, no, no way. Right. This is this is the confident who she is has come a huge long way. Shalon that that does. I think. Dalinar even responds by saying, I see Yasna in that moment, which was, I thought that was pretty cool. And Shalon, Shalon says to herself, I have never received a better compliment yeah. in my life than I see Yasna in you. Like that, it's a good, good moment for her. Now, can I talk about Prashendi? Yes. So then Shen shows up. Well, other Parshendi first, right? Other Parshendi first. They kill one of them. They drag Shalon and Dalinar out to go inspect it, and it has red eyes. Um, we we've seen a few mentions of this as the in our interludes as the Parshendi have taken storm form, but for all intents and purposes, this is a void bringer as far as as far as the Alethi are concerned. This thing has red eyes. It has fire shooting out of its hands some of the some of the men that killed it have burn marks on them um in the middle of a rainstorm in yeah in the middle of a rainstorm and they they are on edge to be to say the least yeah they know they know it's about to get real they know something something different is happening Talk about Shen for a little bit. He surrenders himself to the Alethi army, and that's how 78 ends and 79 picks up, um, which we'll go back and talk about this epigraph here in a second, because um, especially the epigraphs to 79 and 80, uh, Elliot, I know you want to talk about here in a second, but Shen surrenders himself to the Alethi army. What What are you guys' thoughts on this? Because he, there's he definitely doesn't have to right like he could he was a spy for the the parshendi what's his motivation to go back and tell dalinar about storm form does he not want to take it himself or is his alliance is has he seen like true leadership in kaladin and dalinar and that's why he doesn't want to he wants to try to stop this if this is happening what what what's shen relaine uh, what's his motivation here I take it as a mixture of both. Um, we we saw Shen like be grateful for Dalinar and Kaladin's like authentic leadership and care, um, and also I, I I mean we know that there were some Parshendi who were skeptical about Stormform, and if Shen was a spy, he probably at least knows some of the people that 
entered storm form and maybe he's seen that it's like kind of changes people or just knows that that it's risky business that that this shouldn't be happening um and so that's maybe some motivation for him as well um i'm curious to see more slight side note i'm really just very glad that shen is here and coming back i'm glad that this is kind of turning into a thing um because when he left or, or the development we've had with him before I was kind of afraid because it was never on the forefront at all. I was kind of afraid that it wouldn't really come into fruition in a big way. Right. Um, but it seems like it is going to be pretty big scale, and I'm I'm kind of excited for it. Um, out of the things that have happened so far in this episode, uh, like this is kind of what I'm most excited about. Um, here is is Shane coming back. Um, I'm also curious to hear Elliot's thoughts a little bit about like Shen and Dallin are talking. Um. Shen seemed way more talkative than normal in general. Um, he he was very, like, honest and upfront and and very like, well spoken and and stuff. And it was it was really cool to see. Elliot, before uh, you pick it up here, I just want to highlight how much the different forms have an impression on Relaine here when he's in dull form. He's genuinely having genuinely having trouble holding a conversation with Kaladin. That's why he hasn't said um that's why he hasn't talked to Kaladin that much because it has an effect on his mind that he's pretty much a parchment. He can't he doesn't have the art, articulation of what what we would consider, you know, a, a normal person. But as soon as he changes back, we're assuming this is either war form or work form that he's in now uh he can he can talk and he can have a intelligent coherent conversation and then back over to storm form with the with what we've seen the effect it have on eshenai's mind that it's kind of trapped her mind and this other voice is in the front and um her rational side of her her brain is in the back like screaming as we said in one of our interludes that's what uh that's what relaine mentions in this chapter is he, he says that all of the people he cares about are gone and that monsters have been are left in their place so i just wanted to highlight the the importance of what form they they have to what it does to them mentally because on one extreme there's dull form and the other extreme there's storm form. So, uh, Elliot. Yeah, I don't have a lot. I don't have a ton to add. Actually, you guys both said it said it really well and and covered pretty much all my my thoughts. I I agree with you, Paul. That I think this is partly he's what storm form has done to his people. He he even says I think he talks about how he he thinks his people are lost. He, he almost doesn't feel like he's betraying them because he feels like they are already have been betrayed by Stormform, basically. And right. so there, there's that side of it. But then there's a side of it where he's decided that Dalinar is his commanding officer and he's he's treating him like he has to obey him even though he's um, a, a enemy spy turning himself in. So, so his whole behavior through this is a little bit strange in that he, like... Is responding to orders and commands from from Dalinar, 
So I, I, I would definitely equate that to what you're talking about, Paul, of, of perhaps he's, he's been inspired perhaps a bit by the leadership of Kaladin and, and down realizes that, Hey, maybe, maybe they're not all Alethi are, are terrible, like Sadius who butchers coming to talk peace and, and stuff like that. So maybe he sees a little bit of the, the other side of it as well, but yeah, good thoughts, guys. You covered everything I thought of. Not really to do with Relaine, but uh, Rock actually has a cool a cool line in this chapter where Relaine says, "I'm a traitor to both sides," and he doesn't uh, he doesn't have a doesn't think he has a place anymore. And Rock kind of perks up from the back of the tent and says, "No, no, no! You're Bridge Four, and just for you being a spy for the enemy side, that doesn't change that. You're still Bridge Four. So there's some cool like identity like Bridge Four." one of the boys still going on here, even though they found out that he was a spy for the Parshendi. Bridge four, the whole concept of bridge four is pretty awesome. The whole, you know, we'll take anyone and, and bring them into our family. You know, you, you're never too broken for bridge four. That's, that, that's really cool. They have a Herdazian, they have a horn eater, they have a Parshman, they have a light eyes. Uh, what what they have Moash, who's I guess now a light eyes as well. They have Teft, who betrayed his own family. Yeah, they got everybody. World singer. Yep, Sigsil. Yeah. Yep. Wait, you said light eyes, and then Moash, who is now a light eyes. Renarin. Is there no? Oh, I okay. I forget about I forget about Renarin. Mm-hmm. Like I I just. I forget about him in the context of Bridge 4, I guess. Right. Um, just because he didn't go through the same experiences, I guess. But I'm, I absolutely love Renarin. So. And yeah, Renarin has epilepsy. So there's quite a, quite a bit of inclusion here in Bridge 4. So. Should we go back and talk about the epigraph now? Sure, and that can lead us into chapter 80 here to round out the episode. Yeah, so I definitely perked up when I read the the epigraph from this chapter. I'll go ahead and just read it to you and then point out the part that really jumped out at me. So it's written in kind of this question and answer format. So it says this, For what essential must we strive? the essential of preservation to shelter a seed of humanity through the coming storm. What cost must we bear? The cost is irrelevant. Mankind must survive. Our burden is that of the species and all other considerations are but dust by comparison. And it's, these are excerpts from the diagram, right? Yeah. Like stuff that was written on walls and bedposts and all kinds of stuff. But the part that I, I immediately highlighted was that statement, the cost is irrelevant. The cost is never irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You, you can use that statement to justify anything. If you claim that the end goal is preserving humanity, the cost is irrelevant. Oh boy. You can justify any number of atrocities with, with that logic right there. That is, that is so badly flawed in from a a moral and ethic ethical standpoint that 
this this right here tells me just how flawed Teravangian's diagram and plan is. He's he's lashed onto this. I'll do anything to save humanity, and he's destroying humanity to save humanity. Right. Which is the yeah. Which leads me back to my question from last week. Uh, what did the Night Watcher grant Teravangian from whose perspective? What what are we what are we saving humanity from exactly, and what are we doing with it? Like, the Night Watcher granted him capacity in capital C um, to save humankind, but like from whose perspective? What what what's the what are we saving? Who are we saving? From what are we saving? You know, there's all sorts of questions there. I also loved the the question that got brought up of Teravangian thinks, or we're kind of guessing the intelligence is his blessing that he's supposed to use to save kind mankind and his emotions and empathy and, and dullness are the curse. What if he's got it completely backwards? What if the, the emotion and empathy is what was intended to help him save mankind and the intelligent one who wants all stupid people that have to kill themselves maybe that's the curse side of it maybe he's just got right. the whole thing completely wrong there, there's a lot of ways that be very different than Teravangian thinks it is so that what's the what's the difference between Teravangian and Dalinar Dalinar is willing to grab the reins force the high princes to do what they don't want to do in the short term so that they will do what he thinks they need to do in the long term. What we've already highlighted some of the differences here, but what, what makes Dalinar good and Teravangian bad? If you want to make that argument. And that is the tough question that I, I, I kind of arrived at myself as I was reading this. I'll, I'll add to the discussion here, the epigraph from chapter 80, because we had another excerpt from the diagram here, and it, it simply just says, you must become king of everything. And I noted there that normally when someone comes to you and says, oh, hey, I can save the world, but you need to put me in charge of everything. I need to be the one who holds all the power. Usually that's a really bad sign. Usually that's a, yeah, right, buddy. But I had to pause there and ask myself the question that you're asking, Trevor, is, well, is this kind of what Dalinar is doing? Is is Dalinar doing a bit of this in taking the power and just forcing everyone else to do what he thinks is right? And yeah, I, I think we might have brought this up a little bit a, a while back when when Dalinar was asking the question. I think it was, a, am I a tyrant? And we're, as a reader, at least me, I'm, we're okay with Dalinar seizing the power that he is because we trust Dalinar to do the right thing. We've we've learned that, that Teravangian is evil. We can put evil on that. And so we, of course, don't trust him with power. But but is that enough justification? Is it enough to say that Dalinar should have this level of power or should take this just because we know he's he's good? Because if it was anyone else, we wouldn't trust him or we wouldn't think it was okay right yeah I, I, don't, I don't honestly know, quite know how to answer that question it's a that's a tough one
any deep philosophical thoughts over there, Paul? I was I was trying to think of what to add on. I think Elliot did a good job of of summarizing. I agree. We we had the conversation before of like, is Dalinar a tyrant? And he like is, but like like he he's kind of seizing power. Um, but from our reader's perspective, we know and trust him. Like we trust him to do the, what is right, um, even when it's not the like easy choice to make. Um, and if if you just say that that I just said, like doing what is right, um, even when it's not an easy decision, you could say that Teravangian kind of does the same, um, at least from his perspective. Um, yeah, so it's it's very different. I feel like the biggest difference is with the practice, right? We talked about the whole like journey before destination. Um, Dalinar is very focused on. Like we have our destination to get to, but we have to be careful about how we're doing it. Right. Um, and Teravangian is more of like, here's the destination we need to get to. We need to get there as soon and as deliberately as possible, um, kind of no matter what. Um, I feel like is the biggest difference. It's one. I like that a lot. It's probably like the second to last chapter in the Way of Kings, when we get the when we get an unveiling of exactly who is behind Seth and uh, Teravangian's motives and that, all of that. And Teravangian has this kind of off-the-cuff comment to Zeth of saying, in order to save the world, we have to blemish ourselves. Teravangian does think he's doing the right thing. And, I mean, depending on your definition, he could be. If this is how his diagram tells him to save the world, he could be trying to do the right thing from his perspective he's just willing to sacrifice the now to get to where he thinks he needs to be i don't know if you guys caught it but in last week's episode at the very end of that interlude tervantian becomes king of yakovet um he gets uh there's like this uh, civil war been happening in, in Yakovet the last was in in world six months or something, and um, at the end of that interlude, um, Teravanchin becomes king of Yakovet, which is leading him towards this. You must become king of everything, because the reason why he became king of Yakovet is because Zeth killed a bunch of important high princes and the king, um, so that there was this power vacuum. They had a civil war. And it turned out to be Teravangian who would take the throne next. Um, so Zeth's killings are coming into fruition for Teravangian here. All right. Uh, one, two, maybe two more things. And then I will ask you guys a couple questions before we head into the end of the book next next two weeks. Elokar has a very interesting conversation with Kaladin at the end of chapter 80 here. Elliot, I know you you picked this up, and there's a very specific question that Elokar asks Kaladin. Granted, Elokar may not be 100% sober at this point hmm. um, because he's been hitting the wine while Dalinar is gone. 
so we actually know when where Elokar's true loyalties lie when it comes to the codes. He's he's all happy about or can put up with the codes while his big scary uncle's there, but while uh while his uncle's not there, he hits the wine pretty quick. Uh either one if you want to talk about this. I I like the fact that Elokar is coming to Kaladin and asking what are what are perhaps some some honest questions. You know, I he he's obviously Elokar has realized that oh the people love Kaladin. Kaladin earns respect from his men, from those around him. He's a hero. So he comes to Kaladin and he's like, How do I become a hero? How do I be like you? Which on the surface is like, okay, maybe Elokar is, is trying to improve here. Maybe he's realizing that he's doing things wrong and he's going to Kaladin and and you know asking, how can I how can I do this better? But but when you read it again, you realize that the questions he's asking are completely focused on himself. How do I become a hero? How do I be remembered in the future? He he like closes the conversation with, I will do better. I will be remembered. It's like, oh, hold on a second, buddy. Not asking the right questions here. The right question would be, how do I do better for my people? How do I serve better? How do I be a better kid? Oh, it's what he's really asking is, how do I get the attention that you have? How do I become as famous as as you are? He's, it's like, ah, eh, almost Elokar, but not quite. He asks Kaladin, "Am I a bad king?" And yeah. Kaladin gives him a on an honest answer. Kaladin kind of pauses for a second and says, "Yes, I think you're a bad king." Uh, and Elkart gets a little angry at that, but. He asked, so Kaladin answered. Yeah, I feel like Elokar appreciated the honest response. Actually, at least it seemed like it, where he's like, "Well, at least you're you're being straight with me. At least you're giving me a an honest answer." But yeah, I'm sure that didn't do anything to improve his mood. I I really like what y'all had said. I don't have a whole lot to add. Um, because y'all kind of knocked it out of the park there. Um, I, I was just going to say that I I did really like this part, and, and I really like that we've, we're have we starting to see some development with Elokar. I feel like we haven't seen much with him in a long time, ever since, like, just about since Dalinar went in and kind of <laughs> went in there with his fist of cuffs and uh, taught him a lesson, you know? Uh, we haven't seen much growth with Elokar, um, and I would love to see some, um, especially with the the whole Moash assassination thing. I honestly don't. I don't want to see Elokar die. Um, I don't fully know what's going to happen there. That was going to be my first question as we rounded out this episode: of Is this assassination a happening by the end of this book? B going to be successful? And uh who's like what's going to happen to like moash and what like that going forward so if it if it's going to happen it's going to happen at the end of this book i i i'm going to be pretty certain about that but i don't think it's going to actually happen i think it's going to get stopped somehow 
I think there's either going to be some form of realization or like justification or somehow Kaladin is going to stop it or someone's going to stop it. Um, yeah, I'm going to kind of leave it at that. That's kind of like, I don't know exactly how, like, I, I don't know what's going to go down to cause that, but that's my prediction is like, there's going to be an attempt, but it's going to be thwarted. Thwarted in some way, yeah. Um, if it does happen, like, if it's just a casual, okay, like, 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 Marsh's whole plan of saying, like, the, the assassin in white is coming, everyone hides, he just kills Elkar, and then is like, oh, no, the, the assassin in white killed him and vanished, um, if that happens, then it is going to be at the end of this book. I don't see that being a plot drawn out much longer. Um, so if it does happen, it's going to be this book. But I think it will in some way be stopped. Elliot? Um, I'm a little scared that Elokar is going to get killed here. Either by, by Moash or... Maybe Zeth, not 100% sure there. But I'll, I'll tell you what I'll tell you what I hope happens. I'll tell you what I really, really wish will happen. And that is that I'd love to see Kaladin decide to do something. Save Elokar, and in doing so, repair the Nahel bond he had with Syl. Because allowing Moash to do this is seems to be him to to kill Syl. What if he was able to to fix it, if you will? What, what if he steps in and and fulfills his actual calling as a windrunner to protect those who can't protect themselves, and does step in to protect Elokar, and thus like reinstates himself as a windrunner and revives Syl? That would be awesome. I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I can say I, I think that's going to happen, but I really that to happen it's gonna say that's a tall that's a tall order kaladin is uh half dead at this point Mm -hmm. and moash is a full shard bearer so if it actually came to that he'd need some help yeah i see what you mean but if it is gonna happen it's probably gonna happen like that it's probably gonna be like not not an actual battle but like a like talk to moash and like convince him otherwise um situation um and that would be what would probably restore the the bond with Syl. um i could i could very well see that happening y'all are so convinced that Syl's coming back it's really funny actually if she comes back that's how it will be it will be something like that both of you're like Um, no she's not dead she's she's coming but yeah like can you imagine how bad the series would be if Syl just dies like come on can't do that to us like the whole thing would just be ruined so there's no way he would just Brendan Sanderson would not just ruin the whole thing he's got going here like that so yeah all right third question how what's happening out on the shattered plains how is this all ending dalinar and shallan have come to the conclusion that they're two weeks out into the weeping they haven't even started the battle yet 
so they've come to the conclusion that they have to take Narok in order to take shelter from the first high storm coming in two weeks. Uh, what what are your guys' predictions on what's happening out there the rest of this book? I I definitely have a prediction on this one. Here's what I think is going to happen. I think that they're going to engage in battle. Shallan's going to go off and try to find the Oathgate because she had that conversation with Dalinar where he's saying, you know, I'm, I'm counting on you as our backup plan to find that. I think she's going to find it. I think she's going to find it. I think she's going to figure out how to activate it. But I don't think everyone is going to make it through. I think somehow we're going to get some sort of situation where some people go through the oath gate and others don't, and they get separated where some people like, you know, let's say Shalon and Adolin are in Urethiru, but then Dalinar and the rest of the people are stuck in Narak waiting for, you know, the high storm to come and hoping that they can win the battle and, and find protection. That's, that's my prediction is that, the Oathgate is going to somehow separate them into two groups. Okay. Paul? So my thought with this, um, so kind of the big moment in the Way of Kings was Kaladin's, like, end of part four, like, star moment, right? He says the words, right? And, and it's an incredible scene. It was, like, the the coolest part of the book. Um, I, I'm honestly like my prediction is that a similar thing will happen in this book, but with Shallan, um, either there will be some profound discovery. It could be this Oathgate. It could be more words in doing something really significant. Um, I don't know. Maybe somehow she can create like illusions of the Voidbringers and like fight off the Voidbringers with other. I don't know something like crazy like that to just like flat out win in a fight if they get into one um but that's that's my prediction i guess is i think shallan will be the integral piece there um either that or somehow kaladin will be restored or something but i don't see that happening right away um i think it's going to be with shallan okay that's a that's a good point we haven't seen shallan level up in in quite a while right she had to share a truth way back in Way of Kings, I think. One of the last chapters of Way to... of Kings, yep. Yeah. And she's talked about it with Pattern a little bit, where he's kind of like prodded her of, oh, you need to develop your abilities. We need to you know, dive deeper into your truths. And so, yeah, I that's a good idea, Paul. I bet that is going to come into play here. I One wonder thing... if... We, we still have kind of a few... We've answered a lot about Shalon's past, right? We've followed her her flashback up to almost where we picked up with her originally. The only question we haven't really answered is, is like her mother. What right. happened with her mother? What Maybe, maybe Shalon's going to share the truth about that with us, and that'll be her level-up moment. I, I am actually so glad that you brought that up. Uh, because I actually was writing this down earlier. Um, one about, I think Shalon will have a breakthrough. Um, two, it's been a while. Like it, At least in part five, we haven't seen a flashback chapter of any sorts. Which, at first, I was like, okay, that's kind of fishy. Like 
I'm sure there will be something before the end of the book. But also, I mean, we kind of did see a. We kind of got to the point, like we saw where her father died, um, which is kind of like the pinnacle that we were looking for over there, almost for a right. while. Right. Um. So I would believe if there wasn't, but I I, I would say that there is going to be, and I think we may see something humongous, like how her, like, mother died. Um. And that could be the truth. I, I also just thought about she just told Dalinar about being a Night's Radiant, and I don't know if that counts. Like, is that a, an important thing? Because she's kept that secret for so long um, that could help in some way. Or maybe that becomes a public thing or something. Um, we'll see. All right. Is anyone going to die? before the end of the book. Zeth is up there. There's also a couple other minor characters where, where I don't mean, if you want to consider Shalon and Kaladin, you can, but I don't I don't know how likely that is. But there's a cut like, some of our high princes that are with Dalinar might die if you want to go down that route. Um, their, their women are with them. Navani, Polona, any, any of these characters on your guys' mind as we go we go through here. So one character you didn't mention that's on my mind is Moash. Moash. Um, mm-hmm. So I I don't think either are gonna die. I I honestly am, am under the impression we're gonna get the like civil ending, kind of like Elliot was hoping for, like where maybe Kaladin like kind of intercedes between him and Elokar. And talks to him and kind of talks him down but like Moish is very dead set at this point so so I can see like him or Elokar dying um this is this is kind of a hard one so I, I actually f- for the purpose of this question I'm not going to talk about like the kind of minor characters like Sabariel, Royon sure um I could definitely see one of them being thrown in as dying, but I mean, it, I feel like it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Right. So um, I think if a major character dies, like really major character, I think it would be Dalinar. Um, okay. Either in the battle or like with, if Zeth shows up or something like that, that would be crazy. Okay. Um, I don't want it to, I don't want Dalinar to die. Um, I forgot to mention Adolin. True. Could be Adolin defending Dalinar if Zeth shows up. Could be Adolin and Renarin, like, in an attempt to... If Zeth shows up, then the whole squad there is at risk. Like, everyone is just, like, <laughs> um, at high risk, for sure. Um, if someone dies, I would guess that it's Dalinar. And that going forward, people are going to have to try and, like, work together to pick up the pieces of of his legacy like okay. his sons and Kaladin and Shalon and everyone so that's my wild guess so so in that case Paul then would would the next book have to be like flashback Dalinar the whole time or something like that perhaps yeah I was actually thinking about that and I, I think it could still work yeah it, it could be about Dalinar's past and then how the people who knew him work to 
uphold his vision and uphold where he was and things like okay. that. Uh, I, I would imagine that in the in Oathbringer we'd find out about his past with the the Night Watcher and his wife and things like that. Um, and this is if he dies. I don't want him to die, but I think if a major character is going to die, it's Dalinar. Okay. Uh, just a clarifying question: Is Zeth a major character? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just just clarifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elliot. So I think. Kaladin, Shalon, and Adolin are all safe. And the reason why is because we've just set up our, our love triangle here. I don't see us losing that immediately after setting that up. Okay. So I, I, I'm guessing that's going to develop later, further on, and become a, a point of conflict later. So I, I think that plot line is, is enough plot armor for the three of them. Not super... I'm actually super worried about one of either Navani or Renarin, actually. I, I'd i be super worried for Renarin if we'd had a little more of a lead-in to it. I mean, we've still got some chapters left, so it still could happen. But like, we haven't really seen Renarin much in the last few chapters, so I feel like we would kind of lead into you know getting emotionally attached to him again and then losing him. But could easily see Renarin or Navani being in there. If I had to pick a big character, you got to have to say Zeth. I think that Zeth is either going to get defeated by Dalinar and Adolin and Shallan, or maybe something a little crazier like he comes up against Shallan, realizes his entire life has been a lie, you know, that, that thin barrier of truth he's got around him is going to shatter, and he'll either take his own life or turn against like Teravangine or someone and, and get himself killed doing something like that. So I think if I had to guess, death is not going to make it to the next book. That's not what Paul wanted to hear. I know. So I, I do need to clarify a little bit. Zeth has been the character I'm most intrigued by, and especially at this point, I still like I'm very intrigued. But with the new information with the Teravangian interlude, um, I guess I don't have as much hope or respect for him as before. Before I was like, okay, he has some some super great power behind him that's making him do these things, but he himself is good, like he's a good guy or something, and and, and I was really hopeful there, and it's starting to look less like that um which i'm honestly a little sad about so i'm not i'm not bothered by what elliot is saying but i i don't see zeth dying here um we will see i feel like if he does die he's going to some the, the reason why i think he won't die actually is because some things are going to have to happen Either he's going to have to like share information about Teravangian or who's like behind him um, for the story to progress or or there's going to have there's going to have to be some like greater power revealed um, because if not, if he dies, just let's let's say he tries to kill Dalinar and it dies in a fight, um, then I mean, they just keep going against the Parshendi, right? But then the Teravangian scheme 
just I feel like becomes way too off put from the story. I don't know how it would come back to be involved. Is my only thought. I do definitely agree. Continuing with Adolin, Kaladin, and Shallan, the love triangle plot armor is too strong. Like they're they're safe and sound. Gotcha. We're we're definitely taking the very meta approach to our predictions here trying yeah. to guess the plot line yes true characters down the road any closing thoughts on episode 44 with with the topic of deaths so i i mean there's way too many variables that are going to happen that i don't know about for me to say this but I would be disappointed if, if like, to have like a, a sad death, they just kill off like a minor, like Royon or Sabariel or something, um, and like call it like an emotional death. I would be a little disappointed there. Right. I'm not saying I want a major character to die because they don't, but I, I guess I'm afraid that that will happen. They'll just be like, oh, like Royon fell in battle nobly and like i i'm we're not very emotionally attached to him i guess i i do want to point out that we won major at the end of way of kings which i thought we would you know that that's pretty common for you know massive book like this to have a a major character death toward the end but but we didn't our our major character death came at the beginning of words of radiance so it also could be very possible we don't lose anybody through the end of it very true I, I was gonna say that as the other option like like i would much rather a major character die or no deaths than like minor character deaths to like call it a day as and like try emotion. to pass it off as the, the yeah. emotional death right like, yeah um very much a fan of no one dying here none of our major characters um also like i don't know we'll, we'll have to see how it goes down for for that to be like good or bad in the story but yeah alright with that we can close out this episode for anyone who's reading along with us just so you guys know that next week uh, we are going to do full spoilers through to the end of the book and we will be doing two episodes um, on from chapter 81 through to the end of the book next week it'll be more focused on chapters 81 through 84 but we're not gonna uh avoid spoilers for the rest of the book so go ahead and finish the book for anybody who's reading along with us and then uh we'll talk about uh chapters 81 through to the epilogue uh next week thanks for joining me uh paul and elliot this week and we can reconvene next week for the end of words of radiance my pleasure let's do it Thank you.